Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, it is the Bill Price Show. Thank you all so very much for checking out the program today. As you know, we're doing lots of special programming here to put on our YouTube channel, put on our Patreon page, and separate podcasts. And uh, today is one of those days because, as you know, if you pay attention to the show, you know that we are all insatiable lushes. (laughs) And who better to talk about that with? Then my buddy, Greg Anger, you've seen him on the show many, many times. Uh, he is the beer director for a lot of great restaurants here in the Washington, D.C. area. Blue Jacket is the big brewery that you run. Uh, you also have Church Key, which is one of the best beer bars in America. Uh, Owen's Ordinary is up closer to my house, uh, which is a fun place to hang out. And lots of other great places, uh, part of the neighborhood restaurant group. Greg, good to see you, man. Good to see you, too, bud. So we talked to you last. It was just before Christmas. Christmas. It was cold. There were some heavy, heavy beers that we have in here. I think the phrase that we used was one of them poured kind of like motor oil. That's right. Um, keeps you nice and warm in the winter. That's right. But as we enter the warmer months, those kind of beers can weigh a little heavy on you. So uh, what are some what are some good warmer weather beers totally. that we could be drinking? Yeah. So obvi- I mean, it's pretty clear. It's pretty uh, you know obvious. I think we go from you know. Rich, dark, heavy beers in the winter time, and then as we get into spring, um, we're breaking into some of the blonder beers, things that are a little bit more light on the palate, maybe crisper, more refreshing, spritzier, more effervescence. Um, and you know, we have sixty-three hundred breweries in the U.S. today, each Jeez. releasing a, an unending stream of of new innovative ales and lagers so there's no um shortage of options and uh you know but not just that i you know i brought four beers today and two of them are from overseas um, because that's where really all this craft stuff began for us and um they still make things that are just incredible and also typically with summer beers not all the time but typically they are lower in alcohol yeah yeah and i think they probably probably should be I, 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 oh, 100% yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. if you're gonna be hanging outside with friends and you're you know down in a big heavy porter not only are you gonna get like uncomfortable and just like heavy yeah. feeling like well, you're gonna get hammered really you are quickly. and you know but one thing i will say which is something that's fun to keep in mind of course is that and i know you know this but in the past people used to associate Dark, and I even kind of just did it when I was kind of talking about winter beers versus summer beers. Like mm-hmm. we associate dark with heavy and rich, which can be is most of the time true, but not always. But also with alcohol, right? Yeah. Uh, and then we associate light with you know the opposite. So one of the, I mean, I always talk about Guinness, which even though it's owned by Diageo, a giant multinational, yeah, I will. That's like my beer when it's when it's Bud Corona. 
uh, you know, Coors Light, this, that, this, and that. The TGI Fridays tap yeah. list. Yeah. I will still right. drink Guinness. I, I went to Trinity College in Dublin. I love Guinness. So I'll still do it. But that's only like 4% alcohol. Right. Uh, and actually, it's pretty refreshing, and you can pound them. So there, there, are, some, there are some outliers there, I'll say. Um, and then on the other side, what we all have to be careful of today are these pale color, sweet, Double IPAs that come yes. in cans that look like this. Yeah. I'm guilty of making them myself at Blue Jacket. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they're so good and they get you so wasted it's immediately. Sneaky, 8% alcohol, 16 ounce cans, right? So it's not even like a 12 ounce portion anymore. It's 16 ounce cans. You have one, you're feeling great, you have two, and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> but like, they're still, they're crisp, they're light, and you know, the bitterness is, is mellowed on. These new double IPAs are. They're hazy, they're a little bit sweeter, and they go down great in summer. So we can do some of those, but then I think we'll spell them with some of these lower ABC. I, I was going to say, man, to- and I think it's kind of a newer thing, right, with these big, heavy, lighter in color beers, but are also really heavy. Sneaky, like, like you said. Yeah, they yeah, totally. snuck up on me a couple times. That's a lesson you only have to learn once <laughs> yeah, or twice. Once or twice, that's right. <laughs> and also it's a lesson you learned just, you know, not to get off tidier, but at Blue Jacket, that's our brewery down by National Stadium. Yeah. We serve, I mean, we have 20 beers on draft at all times. They're always in rotation. We always have, you know, pilsners and lagers like Love Cats, which I brought. You know, we'll have some great stouts, some are spiced. We'll have a bunch of IPAs. But, you know, people come in, double IPAs, people come in, drink, you know, three IPAs and go to the game. They're walking in like, yeah. And then when you get there, <laughs> this is the thing. I'm not advocating drinking Miller Lite or Budweiser, Bud Light, Coors Light at baseball games. But... If you happen to, you're probably going to feel a little better. Because that, that's the thing is you're at a game and you're just kind of throwing back some beers. Some of these beers are 7 8 9% alcohol, the craft yeah, stuff. Yeah. And even though they're served in 12-ounce cups for like 15 bucks, it still can like it can, it can sneak up on you. So the one thing I'll say about macro lager is that it does a really good job of not affecting you that much. It, you know, like It's the only time stuff. I drink it. Yeah, just I'll go to a yeah, baseball Mellon, game yeah. and I will absolutely drink a they got that Light or Miller yeah. Light. I don't... I don't I don't say that proudly, but also, like, it's just a self-preservation thing, man. Yeah. Well, you, let me just, we'll just jump right in here. Yeah, I've mentioned Blue Jacket a couple times, and obviously, uh, and loggers and pilsners. So, this is kind of the cool, the, the great new thing that's happening. Um, well, it's happening more in, in American craft today. Our really great breweries are producing really delicious loggers. Yeah. You know, in addition to their fruited sours and their double IPAs and triple IPAs and their adjunct stouts that taste like pastries, you know, yeah. um, which are amazing all. They're all adding a kind of beer for us, like um, beer, you know, that, that we love to drink on the side, which are their lagers, their, their pilsners. So lagers, I mean, it, it is your father's beer, right? Like it people like to is. say, it's not but, your dad's I mean, right. lagers are your father's. That, but that we're is. adding flavor back to them. Right? Exactly. That's the thing. Exactly. And, and, you know, lagers can be strong. You can have Doppelbox. You can have um, Hellas Box or My Box that are a little stronger. Box in general are strong lagers. But for the most part, what you're seeing is a lot of American brewers, Blue Jacket included, making these delicious Fresh, crisp, clean um, lagers that are just like easy to drink. This nice is and light. Five percent alcohol, but pa- absolutely packed with um, flavor. This is called Love Cats. We and we just canned this yesterday. Oh hell yeah! So it could not be fresher. I love that. Um, and By the way, for, we've had you in studio uh, many times before, and you've had the cool blue jacket bottles. This whole can thing is a new new for, us, new, for you. Yeah, guys. I and, love and it. It's awesome. And, and the thing is about cans is we love cans for many reasons. The environmental reasons are are, are well known. Um, you know, aluminum recycling is is you know the most recycled um, in in the U.S. is aluminum. Um, cheaper to 
um, ship to store, um, better for the environment, but also better for the beer. So impervious to light and air. You know, we're looking at these. Light yeah. can get in here. It can, it can oxidize. You can skunk the beer a little bit. Impervious to light and air. We've talked to you about this really before. Nice. Light is bad for beer. Totally bad for beer. Gotta so these cans. Perfect for it. You know, the only knock on cans can be that they can, since they're, you know, aluminum is a light, they can get hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, sure, cold. Sure. So actually, if you're in a supermarket, I tend to stay away from cans that are not kept cold. If they're like stacked in the middle of the aisle, yeah. that's warm them up. And warming can cause oxidation as well. So. so I have to say, I just had a sip of this and it's a very familiar beer. Like if you were drinking a, I hesitate to make this uh, 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 sort of comparison, but like if you've had a Bud Light or a Miller Light totally. or a Budweiser, yeah. Yeah, this is like gonna, you will recognize it. This but this is so weird. much better. Yes, this and, is so yeah, much better. Thank you. And I think even when we smell this, you get a great you know grain character as toasted bread, but it's floral. There's a little bit of like a peppery spice coming through, and that's from the hops. We use laurel hops, which are a noble type variety from the Pacific Northwest. But the big thing about this beer that I want everybody to know is it is intentionally bitter. Yeah. We made a hoppy yes. pilsner. This is not something that is like, is, you know, is because we also make a, a pale lager, Hellas, that's called For the Company. That's very crisp, refreshing. The hops are mild. We wanted this to be the hoppier like um, counterpart to that. Yeah. And so it comes at you on the back end, and it's really dry. You know, we took um, uh, a cue from the northern German tradition. So if you go up uh, Berlin, Hamburg, Bremen, up there, they make pilsners that are just like this, brisk, snappy, bitter on the palate. And that's because they have water that's pretty hard with lots of bicarbonates and sulfates, and that accentuates bitterness. We have harder water in D.C. as well, so we we don't do anything. We filter... Um, chlorine out and, you know, just basics like you would for standard water supply, but we are not uh, doing anything else to it. So because we have a little bit harder water, we wanted to pay homage to Northern German pills and make a bitter, That's like, so cool. snappy um, pilsner, yeah. It is bitter, but it's not, you know, uh, you and I have had this conversation yeah. before. I'm not a big fan of the aggressively hopped IPAs, right? I think that we went through a period where... More hops, yeah. More bitterness was more bitterness. It was and an just, arms race. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that we've backed off it a little bit. And I think that we've gotten to a point where people are making way more balanced. IPAs. Oh my god, yeah. In the other direction now, they pulled totally. bitterness out, and now it's all aroma. And so that's what's kind of fun for this too. It's like, I, and I love juicy, hazy IPAs that are almost sweet rather than bitter. Sure, really aromatic. So this is a cool return to bitterness without mm-hmm. going crazy. And and our our head of brewing operations. Matt Blue Jack, his name is Ro Gunzel. He is an incredible brewer, super talented, and he loves lagers more than anything in the world. Uh, this guy, he, he brewed at uh, Left Hand out in Colorado. Yeah, sure. And then Great Divide. Uh, developed Polestar Pills for, for Left Hand. I mean, he is, a, and he started at Kaltenberg Castle in, in Colorado, which is a German brewery. So when he joined us about a year ago, we started really turning up the lager game. And this is the first Pilsner he's produced, and it's uh, phenomenal. I'm also wondering if you could talk a little bit about the can design because it's a really fun, for anybody that's watching the video, you can see it. There are these watercolor cat drawings. Um, and also, <laughs> thought the, you never asked. <laughs> <laughs> but also the name, like how do you come up with the names and the designs? Because totally. I think that's such a marketing pull for people that are just being introduced into the craft beer world. That's, uh, they, I mean, that's absolutely true and amazing. Can we get some? You want some yeah, I'm going to come get some. Okay, okay. cool, cool. Um, so, the cans have taken over not just because of like you know uh, sustainability and, and and quality, but because also they're incredible like billboards 
Yeah, it's totally. So cool looking, you know, like. Um, there you I go. Yeah. That before. Uh, um, but they're just, they're just, they're amazing. They're great for Instagram culture, social media. I mean, people love to put these on and, and, and we do too. It's so much fun to look at uh, and we drink with our eyes. So um, when we started canning, you know, we, we got into it mostly now because cans, the can technology got to where we needed it to be to do beers our way. So we don't have to buy pallets and pallets of cans anymore. We don't have to buy um, a truckload at a time. We don't need to commit to cans that are printed. Yeah. Now, our graphic designer um, and creative director, Chris Mullins, he does all of our groups, um, menus, designs, logos, everything. He creates these labels, and once we, we, we look at them, we love them, five days later, we have them printed have them. and sent to us. Come so it's on, like man. we just do so quick and make all these different beers. That's why every week we're releasing one, two, three different beers. Yeah. Um, and so we source art for the labels in many different ways. Um, and for this one specifically, uh, uh, my wife, Kelsey Alabiso, who's an artist in D.C., she um, created this label. Oh, we, nice. She happens to love cats. And, who doesn't? Uh, who doesn't? And, um, and so she produced this label, so we had to use it, which is really cool. And then as far as the names go... Um, naming can be difficult. I mentioned 6,000 breweries. They're all making 6,000 beers. So everything seems to be taken. Yeah. Um, I think we've talked about that before. But we're, So we're always looking for new um, name possibilities and new sources for names. So we've been on a kick. Uh, my partners and I, Michael Babman, who's our founder, uh, we love music. And actually going to see Built to Spill and Afghan Wigs in Baltimore tonight. Hell yeah, uh, yeah man. Uh, but so when we just kind of, we mine you know, old songs and albums and stuff that we love, and um, it's kind of random in some respects. Sure. It's just kind of like someone's like, that's a cool name, let's do it. Uh, and so Love Cats is a quirky song from The Cure, uh, early 80s, and we just kind of have, we have like a, la- uh, a laundry list of cool names, and I'll just kind of go through and be like, Love Cats, let's use that one for this one. <laughs> and, then, then my, and then all of a sudden, uh, and then Chris, our creative designer, was like, we should definitely use something that Kelsey did um, for this because, uh, and, and so that's how it happened. That's so perfect. Cool. It's organic. It. That's I love so it. cool. Yeah. Did you have, you had some of the beer? Yes, I love both the can design and yeah. the beer itself. Thank you. I, I use I've used this term before when you're in here. It's a good chugging beer. Mm-hmm. That's a solid chugging beer. It is yes. delicious. Um, do you want to do another one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else do you have? Let's see. Um, I think speaking of like a kind of familiar beers, let's mm-hmm. go to. Um, this is a uh, Bavarian beer. Um, the style is Weissbier. Okay. Hefeweizen. All right. All right. These these I love in the summer. These are. It's like just classic, classic um, summer beer. Correct me if I'm wrong, but these were created for farmers, right? To be able to drink in the summer? No. Oh, no? no but you're, oh, you're I'm so wrong. Close. Okay. No, no, no. You're, that's great. <laughs> we're coming up next on that, actually. This is um, next up is Saison. From from Blogy, so we are ah. doing that. Next, We're getting there. Great. there. That's amazing. Very close. Um, right? So, uh, this is a vice beer. It's um, Bavarian style uh, wheat beer. Oh, I love the smell of that. And man. it's oh. ale, it's ale yeast, which produces a very telltale um, thumbprint of banana, clove, and bubble gum. I was gonna say candy. It smells like yeah, candy. It smells like candy for sure. Honeydew melon. Mm-hmm. And it's. Um, little bit hazy because um, oh, wheat so has lots of proteins um, that stay through. It gives it a haze. It's unfiltered. The effervescence comes from the um, the fermentation. The ale yeast just creates a lot. It's held by the protein of the wheat. 
Um, so it's known for being really, really spritzy, nice and sweet on the palate. Spritzy you know? is a great way to describe yeah, that. Actually. Yeah, it's very bubbly. It's creamy, um, fluffy foam, really, really tasty. And um, and you know we've got a lot of ice beers in America. We do. Um, and there, some of them are are really good. Um, and this is very different than like. Uh, wit beer, like Allagash White, yeah. similar family, but wit beers don't have that huge pop of candy, um, bubble gum, and spice as much. They're more like coriander and orange peel and things like that. But the the best vice beers, in my opinion, still come from Germany. And Ondex, which is the the brewery here, is one of the absolute best um, breweries uh, in Germany, not just Bavaria. It's it's so because you know when you talk about wheat beer or white vice beer. So many times people think of it as sort of like a really thin, like a thin, not really flavorful beer. Totally. But like this is so much Robust. character. Yeah, exactly. So much character. Absolutely. I think it's been um, kind of watered down, bastardized a little bit in American mindset. It's become like Blue Moon, wheat ale. Shock yeah, Top. Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. And the, yeah, those are like wheat those ale, are, right? Wheat ales, right. Um, even Widmer Hefeweizen, which kind of got started was very clean. It didn't have that big, like, fruity pop in the nose. But, yeah, you're right. The best thing about this is, like, it's golden straw, but it's also got some darkish notes. It's got some great sweetness. It's a full bready quality on the palate. Yeah. Um, So while spritzy and effervescent and bright... There's there is a roundness to it, and it doesn't taste like watered down or, or thin. It's it's like, you know, so many of these summery beers really are just one note, right? Like, yeah. You just and then we're talking about like Boom. mainstream yeah, yeah. summer yeah, totally. beers, right? Like you just yeah. just for swilling, yeah. And like, if you really stop to appreciate this beer, which is, I mean, what's the alcohol content? Uh, on five something. I so believe? it's not huge at, by five, any five. by yeah. any stretch. Uh, no. And but like, there's something to really appreciate about how it's incredible. Made. Yeah, I mean, totally. incredible. And you know, the, this this monastery um, it's established. It's it's a monastic brewery, although it's completely secular. The the brewing is secular, but the brewery is connected to the monastery at Ondex. Uh, St. Boniface, I believe, is the monastery. They're out of Munich, but then they have this second one. It's Bavaria right nearby. They've been brewing there since 1455, which is another thing that just rules about uh, European brewing tradition. It's, like, it's just been going That's on forever. That's amazing. But the current monks um, took over in, in the mid-19th century. Um, they modernized in the 80s and, and 90s. Um, and they, they, they were really just a lager producer. So the Ondex Doppelbach is the beer, the double strong dark lager, the beer that people go crazy for from Ondex. But in the 80s, uh, sorry, in the 90s, they introduced the wheat beer style. They weren't making it until the 90s um, because it's just so popular. People love drinking it in the beer gardens in the summertime, and, uh, and it's become a classic. Yeah, no, I see why, man. This it's is delicious. This is perfect. So good, so good, it's um, so so good, and like and like with food, it just rules. So I mean, you know, like when you're in Bavaria, they just bring out you know pretzel after pretzel, piles of sausages, crowd. I mean, the sweet take is, me away, uh, man. Like, it's not so good. The, the sweet like fruit and spice flavors here just either echoes the flavors you find in those foods, yeah. or provides a, a a balancing counterpoint like acidic. Sauerkraut, you've got sweetness to balance with salty meats. You've got sweetness to balance. You're adding, you're kind of adding seasoning at the end uh, with that banana clove. It's just, it's a perfect food. The two beers that we've had so far, uh, the Love Cats, which you brew, and this one from Ondex, uh, really you could just 
I mean, you could bang these with any kind of food for oh, the yeah, most totally. part, right? And like, that's what's another thing about, yeah, like... I know beer summertime. pairings are a thing, and oh, that's totally. cool, and I'm dear for it, yeah, yeah. but, like, these, you could just They are versatile, yeah, versatile. They, I mean, with Love Cats, the only thing you have to be a little bit careful with is the bitterness. Sure, so if sure. You don't, if somebody's not rich and fatty enough, it might not stand up to the bitterness. Uh, but then again, you know, now that I just said that, like, think about Northern Germany. And they're talking about Germany a lot. <laughs> but Northern Germany, like, with um, the seafaring towns... Uh, in the coastal areas, just all that great seafood coming in. They're pairing these brisk, bitter pilsners with that briny seafood, and it's like a match made in heaven. It's Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, so, all right, what else we have? What Let's else we do have? the beer for farmers. Oh, this is this is the farmer beer, right? This Ray. is it. This is it. <laughs> and this is uh, a Saison or farmhouse ale. Kind of a loose style. Um, more of a state of mind in some respects than an actual style, um, because as Ray noted, like these were beers originally brewed by on farms for farmhands and kind of brewed with whatever you had. So it's not crazy to find farmhouse ales that utilize lots of different kinds of grains. You know, this beer has spelts, which is an old form of wheat. Nice. Uh, but you'll see oats and rye and barley, and a lot of times it was just based on whatever the harvest allowed. So uh, on that yeah, note, like yeah. what farmers would brew this to have on the farm, is that just kind of like you go out, you work all day on the farm, and the and like you really would like a beer at the end or of the day, or the day. while you're working? Yeah, while you're working. Okay. I mean, it's 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 your hydrating, yeah. um, so it's hydration. Like that's just crazy to think. I mean, obviously, especially in America where we are um, still abstemious, I think we're not as open to. Alcohol culturally, totally. Uh, you know, and, and in Europe we're they still there, are. But... We're getting there. In Europe they still are. I mean, um, it was long part of the family. It was long part of of work um, because they would make so many table beers and lower ABV beers. So these would typically be really low alcohol beers that the farmers and the farmhands would would drink while they worked. That was their source of hydration. Um, the, the cool thing about these beers too is that. They were brewed in the colder months and then served and drank in the warmer months. That's where this whole thing came from. Because before the late 19th century, there was no such thing as refrigeration right. anywhere. Mm. Right. Um, and so, you know, brewing in the summer was rife with issues. I mean, you know, the warmer it is, the more possibility for infection to happen. The beers don't taste as good. They don't last as long. So they would stock up, but they needed to drink in the warmer months. So they would stock up making beers in the winter months, set them in caves, typically packed in with uh, ice cold from that uh, winter's rivers and um and and then they would bring them out as needed so these so but they always wanted to make the beers kind of last so yeah. you could either add a ton of spices that would be have some antibacterial properties you could add a ton of hops that would have you know antibacterial properties you could deliberately sour the beer so that the pH would drop and then nothing else could happen to it basically preserve it so that's why these saisons and they once all beer used to be dark so they only became blonde in the 19th century really for saisons so saisons used to kind of be just Whatever you could muster, right. whatever you get your hands on, to keep, to have, to drink in the summertime when the farming was going on. And uh, and so that's where it comes from. I always tell people uh, if they don't consider themselves beer drinkers or they want to get into the beer drinking game to go to one of your bars because you do something very smart that um, you're one of the first people I ever saw to really do it like this is to break them down by category, right? There's fruit and spice, yeah, yeah. there's funky, yeah. there's roast, there's malt, hop, uh, yeah, and, you do, and, hop and you do this yeah. at all of your restaurants. So if you know I'm not a big fan of really dark, X, roasty yeah, beers, yeah, yeah. We or whatever it is, yeah. you don't have to go there. Or I don't really love hops. I want to try something a little fruitier. You can go and get like a fruitier beer. Totally. 
Where would this one fall? This, would this be one fruit falls spice. into a fruit, fruit spice. spice. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's mostly the Belgian style beers, but it's also vice beer. Yeah. And so that's the cool thing. What we've seen is like somebody will come into the bar, and, and I created this flavor profiling system. This back, is delicious. By isn't it so good? Yeah. Back in 2006, to do just that, to say, first off, we're not wine. Right. We're not trying to be. Uh, or I don't think wine is trying to be inaccessible, but they're not being as accessible as they might have to be sometimes. We totally say, fair. Listen, you might not know styles. You might not know regions. I'm going to clump them together by broad flavor um, relationships so that, yes, if you come in and say, I hate stouts, yeah, we're going to go, don't look at the roast category. Right, right. But if you come in and go, you know what? I, 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 I studied abroad in Germany, and I loved Hefeweizen. But I drink it all the time. What else do I have? Well, we go into the fruit and spice category where you see this guy listed, and then this one we're drinking right here is right next door, and you say, try this. Now, you might not love it, but you're going to at least probably appreciate some of the um, some of the similarities. Totally. And, and that's that's been a fun way um, to kind of get people into beer. They're clearly two different beers, but they are definitely yeah. very and, closely related. And that's related. yeast. There's yeast character here. So as the yeast ferments, as it converts sugar um, into energy for itself, but also alcohol and flavor... Um, and CO2, it's creating banana clove bubblegum here. Yeah. But in the case of this particular Saison yeast, that uh, Blogy, which is the brewery um, listed here, and in collaboration with Hill Farmstead, a cult brewery from Vermont, when they make La Vermontoise, they are using a very particular ale yeast um, that they originally got from DuPont, which is the most famous Saison sure, producer in the yeah. world. And um, it creates a not a banana clove bubblegum, but a, like a... Uh, a lemony note, a rustic character. It's slightly grassy. It's slightly hay-like. Uh, hay is the, is what I keep coming back to. And I want I kind of wanted to say, it smells like the best parts of the farm. Yes, right. Like totally. Like, that's a great way to put it. Hay, yes. grass. You know, like that's, a, that's a perfect. I'm going to steal that. It's yours because they will say like we'll say earthy, um, slight barnyard. But you're right, right, like, like, you that's, that's, that's sort of a turnoff for a lot right. of people. But like, like if you go to a farm, like there's I mean, it no, smells. Yeah, yeah, it totally. smells right. like the best parts of it. Yeah, that's that's really good because like we have other beers that are u- we use like um, yeast called Britannomyces. We yeah, about those words. they create more, even more rustic flavor. It's like <laughs> and they're still amazing. Yeah, but like that's like the best parts of the farm and some of the less impressive parts of the farm. But like sure. it's still really altogether delicious. Um, but I like that farm. Um, me too. I, I like that. Love it. Yeah, me too. Totally. And and that's the thing. So so yeah. So so Vermontoise um, is. Really cool story. So Brasserie Blogy is one of the most incredible breweries in the world. I think everyone who loves great beer should make a pilgrimage to Belgium Hell at some yeah. point. And if you go, go out of your way to come to Blogy. These are friends of mine. Uh, we have a place called The Sovereign in, in Georgetown that yes. is dedicated just to these small, enigmatic, um, amazing Belgian producers. So we don't serve the big boys. We don't serve, obviously, Stella, or Leffa, or even Duval. We're dedicated there and across our group to showing you beers from these tiny producers. So this husband and wife team, they were school teachers. And um, Alex Pierre and Marie Noel, they, in the 80s, were upset because so many of these small farmhouse breweries were closing. Um, of course, consolidation, loggers were in, you know, industrial logger taking over. And they're in the south of Belgium in Wallonia, right on the French border, like bang on the French border, south of Mon. And they said, you know what? We're going to put together a garage brewery, truly. Their house is here. They, they have a garage. <laughs> they put a brewery in the garage. You can see into their home and like see their living room from the garage. They said, we're going to put a garage brewery in just so we can make the beers that are going away rapidly. They oh. talked to DuPont nearby and said, can we have your yeast? They said, sure. And then they just started making beers that taste like the grain came 
from their backyard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you just taste these great grain flavors. And, you know, this is not profit-driven. Believe me, this is no. a tiny brewery. They made what they wanted to drink. They hoped people would like it. And they're incredible. And they've gotten a lot of great attention for it. So Hill Farmstead up in Vermont, uh, Sean Hill, one of the greatest breweries in America and beyond, um, has long been friends with Pierre-Alex and Marie Noel. And they collaborated on this beer, which has since become a part of Blogie's standard offerings. It's obviously because it's Hill Farmstead's inf- influence, La Vermontoise, so the Vermonter. Sure. Um, and it's a saison with spelt, like I mentioned. And then it's got a dry hopping with an American hop varietal called Amarillo, which gives it a little bit of something else to the nose, kind of a, a touch of, of orange and citrus peel yeah. uh, in addition to the other flavors. It's, I mean, it's such a noble story that, that like, they just want to carry this tradition on. And you don't, I mean... Nobody, for a good reason. Nobody know? does that anymore, man. I don't, I don't. But the beer business is where people really are doing it, whether it's here in America or in other countries. Like You really do see people get into it because they love the craft, because they want to see these sort of food and drink ways yeah. preserved. And I just, to me, totally. that's just so cool. It's amazing. And, and it's not profit-driven. And I, exactly. And that's where I'm, so like I said, we, we opened the Sovereign two years ago, and people were like, you're crazy. What? You're not going <laughs> to... American craft beer is huge. Yeah. Like, and we serve some, we serve brewers that are inspired, American brewers inspired by Belgians there. Sure. But it's small. It's like 10% of what we offer at the Sovereign. It's 90% Belgian. Why would you do that? Belgian beer is passe. People love craft beer from America now. It's like, because nobody's making, not one American brewer is making anything that's like this. Not one. They make no, lots right. of saisons, but I've never, not one has gotten close to this. You're right. And to your point, let's support these traditions. I'm like, I seriously want to like go on this, um, on like a tear telling people for every American craft beer you drink, or maybe every two or three or four, whatever it is, make time to drink great imports from great, great breweries. Not, yeah. I'm not saying go out and have a Heineken. Right. Please no. Right. But, and, and you know, and, and support American craft, support your local brewer for sure. But, Take some time, go out, find these incredible beers for the flavor, but also, to your point, to support these yeah. brewers so these traditions don't die. Uh, we have one more beer, which more I know beer? is from an American brewer. Uh, and, an, and an amazing one. And an amazing one. Um, I first had Grim Ales at uh, at one of your restaurants, at one of your your, your places, at Owen's Ordinary. There was uh, there, were a couple, there were a couple of uh, Grim Ales on, on tap there, which were... Absolutely delicious. So what is this one? So Grimm is uh, just, like you said, it, an incredible um, American producer who are about to open, I think, any day now, their very own brewery, production brewery and tap room in East Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, but they've been around since 2013 as nomadic brewers, you yeah. know, kind of gypsy brewers who, are, who have been brewing um, their beers themselves, I might add, too. It's not like they just write a recipe and send it off. And right. let somebody, they, they, Lauren and Joe Grimm are uh, maniacal about their flavors. I mean, they, they are just, they're artists, and, and true artists. They create all the labels, they're musicians, amazing people, and they've been hands-on brewing at other brewers breweries for a while, including one locally um, called Beltway Brewing Oh, nice. Um, in Virginia. And, and, and so they're looking forward to... Um, 
bring all that in house soon. I'll tell you something really funny because I I was vaguely familiar with Grim Ales, and the first time I really had that I had one was at Owen's Ordinary, which is one of the places you're a beer director for, mm. and they gave me the whole thing about Grim, and I said, oh yeah, you've trained them very well because it sounded <laughs> oh, like I was talking to, to you. That's no, great. I knew you'd appreciate that because they gave me the I whole thing, and I was do. like, okay, I I know that they've talked to Grim. They are uh, that's amazing. the staff is incredible. They're in everywhere else. Um, so Grim, I love this label. And the labels are so cool and. Um, Okay. Matches the beer. So this is called Pineapple Pop. They, I what, love a fruit beer. Yeah, and this is, I this do is love like fruit the last beer. So we started with lager. <laughs> I do, too. I do, I do. I really do. Uh, and I do too. So we started with lager uh, for summertime, right? Then we went to wheat beer, generally, vice beer here, but you know, Belgian style wits like from Allagash and et cetera. Amazing. Went to our Saisons next. Oh, this smells um, effervescent so good. Dry, and now we're finishing with these fruited sours. And so um, Pineapple Pop is based on. Loosely based on the Berliner Weisse tradition, which mm-hmm. is back in Germany, Northern German, low ABV, sour wheat beer. Yeah. Um, they used to cut it with um, different syrups, like Himbeer syrup, which is a raspberry syrup to sweeten it and give it some fruit character over there. They'd cut it with Woodruff syrup, which is called Waldmeister. And uh, American producers, inspired by this, have started to fruit, not started to, continue to fruit. They started mm-hmm. years ago heavily fruiting these sours. This one, so the Pop Series is a Berliner Weiss um, that also has vanilla and lactose. They kind of call it like a dessert Berliner to sweeten it out and give it some more body. And then they rotate the fruits. So this is pineapple. They do blueberry. They do a number of others. It smells like fresh cut pineapple. I know. Incredible. The essence of pineapple just on the smell, it's amazing. But as someone who also makes these beers, I'll say the the influence of the vanilla and the lactose, the milk sugar here, keeps it from being like... Like super intense, right. almost like overripe pineapple. I was about to say, yeah. like it is not super like it's not pineapple juice, not at all. Which when you drink a, a, some some fruit beers, fruit as, much as, as much as I love fruit yeah. sour beers, sometimes they really do taste just like a melted Jolly Ranch, right? And, and this one, this is yeah. a beer. This is a beer. This is a beer. It maintains wheat character on the palate. You've got great, oh, so bright, good. refreshing acidity, but and and the body you get from that addition of lactose vanilla is just incredible. So milk sugar, as you mentioned, that's, yeah. the, that's the lactose in there. That I mean, what does that do for a so, beer? So lactose is a sugar, is one of the many sugars that yeast is unable to break down. Fructose is the same way. Uh, yeast loves glucose, simplest, smallest um, you know, sugar molecule out there. So lactose is unfermentable. So when you add lactose to beer, you provide oh, body, interesting. sweetness, and a kind of creamy quality, um, which is really cool. Now it is it, 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 creamy is a good way to describe exactly. it. Exactly, totally, and it works in 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 concert with vanilla to give you all those flavors as well. And so, um, in the old days, lactose was made mostly for milk stouts or sweet stouts, so good. To, to give it creaminess to balance the roast. But um, innovative American brewers have have taken and said, well, if they can do that for a sweet stout, what's going to happen when we add it to uh, Berliner Weiss? Amazing. What happens when we add it to a double IPA yeah. or a triple IPA? That's the other thing we're seeing a lot of now. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, lactose is kind of becoming, in vanilla, the brewer's best friend. If you're not a dessert person, like you don't like, you know, chocolate or sweets or whatever is wrong with you. But like, <laughs> if you want, if, like, if you just want to have like a little, just, just a little something sweet, like this would be a great way to Amazing. end the meal. That Amazing. would be a great way to end the meal. I mean, it's just like, it's all, it's it, it it does it tastes like a pineapple like tart yeah or something like that you yeah know? I mean super well balanced the acidity not- is balanced it's clean too I'll tell you for all of the Ameri- so with six thousand breweries in the U S 
tons of new ones all the time. Lots of uh, lots of brewers taking a swing at every different style out there, yeah. uh, which is great. But there are some misses. Um, and I see it a lot with sour beer. I see a lot of brewers trying to make fruited sours or just standard sours, and they just aren't they aren't quite there. They're, they don't have this beautiful, clean, crisp character that this has. You know, right. sometimes they'll be a little bit um, funky. Um, they might have like um, you know cheesy flavors, flavors that aren't quite there, or kind of like um, cereal grain quality in the back of your of your palate um, that aren't quite there. So you really appreciate. When you get a grim, they release these fruited sours, and every time they're just spot on, yeah. and that's the thing. So you know, if you see them, you may have had a, a rough sour beer from somebody one somewhere down the road. If you see grim, you can trust it and just yeah. Go with it, no, that's know? a really good point because I know a lot of people who say they don't like sour beers. Beers. Uh, this would be a great way to uh, re-familiarize yourself with it. Well, great stuff, man. Uh, weather's warming up, so uh, put down the heavy stouts and porters and all yeah. that stuff. Time to drink seasonally. That's right. And get into uh, some lighter beers, some tastier beers, some more refreshing beers. Uh, Greg Engert from the Neighborhood Restaurant Group. My favorite beer guy. You've taught me so much about beer over the years, and I thank you for coming in with us here on the Bill Press Show. Uh, We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, everybody.